about the wanderers in all gold and black You better retreat cause we're on the attack The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back Welcome to episode 302, that is 3, it's 0, it's 2, it's the return of the ENS Wolves Podcast, Portugal on tour, that's, 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 um, we are here, we were planning to do this Tuesday, and then Wednesday, and it got moved to Thursday, there's a lot going on at this moment in time, as we sit here at 5.09pm on Thursday the 27th of July, please welcome uh, my beautiful friend and Wolverhampton Wanderers Express and Star Wars report himself, Mr. Liam Keane. Liam Keane, everyone. Liam Keane. How's it going, my friend? What an intro. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, you only say nice things to me when it's on the podcast. It's true. You should hear what, what he says to me off the mic. The slander. Unbelievable. And that's just with the last three days since we've been here. I know. I mean, you are lucky that you get to experience these pre-season tours with me, by your side. Obviously. Obviously. Um, obviously. I'm a cleaner. You're a cook. We've got a good dynamic going on. Damn right we do, As maybe. we always do. Yeah. <laughs> Wish um, I had that at my own home. <laughs> wow. Uh, didn't you have to message recently about how to use the washing machine? Is that right? Um, I did have to message well, about I've how to use the washing machine, right? yeah. yeah. yeah um, I've got a screenshot of it. I was, um, the missus had been away for a, an extra week in America and uh, I was left with packing for this Portuguese trip and had no idea how to operate our washing machine and dryer, which to be fair is, is pretty brand new. We've had them for about nine years <laughs> in the house. Um, so I had, a, yeah, I had a little bit of a guide that was sent to me and I think it's come out okay, to be honest. So it's all good. But more, about, more about the Portugal tour um, and obviously everything that's going in and around at this moment in time. Everyone's calm. Everyone's chill. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> but anyway, first of all, let's rewind. Let's rewind. Rewind, rewind. Oh, we had the, we had the Wolves podcast live at the end of the season. It was lovely. Everyone is in great spirits. We're going to South Korea, baby. And then, um, yeah, there's a, there's a few things that have changed. But before all that, how was your summer? Did you get the chance to go away, Liam? Did you get the chance to... To, to relax, to just de-stress, to, to read a good book, to hang out with your beautiful girlfriend slash fiancé slash wife-to-be potentially one day. Wow, that is pressure mm. putting on me. Mm. Um, yes, it was good. Um, Where did you go? What did you, you do? You don't always get loads of time. It's not. This is no woe is me monologue, but you don't always <laughs> get loads of time. Um, we're in the process of buying a house, as I've mentioned on here before, mm. so you, I know, exciting, which is taking a very long time and it's very annoying. Solicitors, mate, nightmare. Unbelievable, useless. I'm and trying to buy a fifth place at the moment, mate. <laughs> it's absolutely, it's, uh, a, it's a nightmare. My heart bleeds for Oh, it's terrible, terrible, honestly. And no concierge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on, carry on. So, yeah, we didn't want to, you know, splash out on a big holiday with uh, all that expense. So we decided to have a little city break. We went to Brussels for three nights, four Lovely. days. Very nice, good beer. Um, good food in the sense that it tasted nice. I wouldn't say it's fancy food. It's basically mm. chips in Brussels. Not that the Is it the same as like in Bruges? Like the chips and mayo were the thing in Belgium. Yeah, is that yeah. A, yeah. Oh, it was really The nice mayo's stuff. lovely though, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. different. It tastes different. It's brilliant. It's yeah, or good. as the kids say, it's different. Wow, you really are that with the yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are currently wearing a cap backwards. <laughs> <I am. laughs> so it's true. That says a lot about you. Uh, 
Moleman's. <laughs> That's a great reference, that is. <laughs> What's up, kids? <laughs> to be fair, I am I am like a snake at the moment. I'm shedding as well. Jukes have been burned before in the sun, so it's not great. Oh, can... no, mate, don't, <laughs> mate. Please don't, please. That is disgusting. What are you talking about? Please, please, please. Please don't put up my laptop. <laughs> oh, honestly, that is, that is absolutely horrendous. What are you talking about? Okay, he's just peeled off the biggest chunk of dead skin no, off, his, off his arm. That is from from a sunburn. You're rank. I mean, you're, I'm surprised you're not eating it next. <laughs> you absolute grim. Oh, uh, no, I'm not going to say what I wanted to say. No, no, you don't want to um, say it. No, it's four minutes in. It's, an edit, it's, a, kid, it's a kid's show. That's an edit for you, though, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as I was saying, this is a multi non-award winning podcast. So come on, <laughs> we're doing well. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice to get a little break. I'd, I had a sort of prolonged two weeks, but only went away for those few days, and then basically sat around the house while Rosie was working. So oh, nice! Didn't, didn't really do much, but yeah, good to have a little break. How about yourself? Um, a couple of little different different adventures. I went to straight after Arsenal, which was the last game of the season. Um, less said about that, the better. Not not the best uh, end, of the, not end of the season. Um, went to Beyonce concert, which was lovely, and then quickly went to Iceland with a few friends. I would definitely recommend Iceland. There's so many. Great places. I'm not one for like traveling around a country and traveling three hours there, four hours there, but we literally had those amazing, beautiful um, geographical sites and activities to do within like 10, 15 minutes of each other. Like amazing waterfalls, geysers. Um, no, not, not geysers like that. Or geysers, I don't know if you want to pronounce them there. Restaurants, uh, horseback riding. Uh, stop it. <laughs> you need to stop it. Okay. This is episode one of the new season. Stop I didn't it. Even say anything. So I know exactly what you're thinking. I didn't even say anything. Um, and yeah, a great place. So I was there for four, four nights. Went to the, um, the Blue Lagoon and also an, another, another spa lagoon, which was amazing, where, you know, just naturally warm water. Um, swim up bars, kind of like some spa treatments, absolutely incredible. All natural, just beautiful, absolutely oh, stunning right. warm. So I would definitely recommend a little trip there. We also went to Royal Champagne, which is just south of Paris, uh, which is the area where champagne is made. So that was nice. Took the dogs with us, little dogs vacay. There's no need to talk about a lot like that. Mate. Whoa. Wow. You are spiky. You are spiky to start this podcast. What's gone wrong? It it's, almost, it's almost like you've been having night. I mean, this poor, it's a 40th birthday today. Oh, God. I actually forgot about it that. It literally is a 40th birthday okay. today. Well, first of all, I won't listen to this. Okay, it's true. Secondly, it was a very poor joke in poor taste. I'm sorry. Lana's <laughs> lovely. I've met her, only met her once, but she was a delight. Um, yeah, she's alright. And um, <laughs> yeah, so yes, and, and then we went to went to Disney uh, World and um, a little cruise with um, my three brothers and their wives and their nine children between them, which was interesting. So you know, five forty-five in the afternoon, I was having dinner in the frozen <laughs> frozen restaurants of the Marvel comics. I've made. Yeah, I'm not going. Interesting, mate. Yeah, it was it was a tough one. It was tough. So I'm, this is kind of my 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 real holiday, just being oh, in, yeah. around, in and around you. Only a couple of trips, wasn't it? Yeah, fair. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I must admit, it didn't go down particularly well when I knew I was going to miss the 40th of Alana's to uh, to come here. And I had to make a decision, and I felt like I made the right one. <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely not listening to this. No, no, no. Well, look, to be honest, she's studying herself in a beef at the moment. So I thought, well, there's no way in a million years that I can get away with not going and, and just have a sat at home. So, it, I mean, it's cost me a, a fair pretty penny. But I've had to, I've had to send her and a, one of her good friends from London... Uh, to Ibiza, so they went there yesterday, um, had the night there yesterday, they've had the day on a yacht today, 
uh, I think they're eating like Nobu tonight and then they're going away. So, and they're staying at the standard like in Ibiza city. So it's cost me, it's cost me a lot more than what I'm going to be earning in this, uh, in this seven day period, put it, put it this way. But look, happy wife. Happy life. You know it. You know it. Right. Let's get on to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Let's get on to this podcast. And um, we've been here for four days now, Kino. It was a long first day. 3 a.m. start. Yeah. 3 a.m. start. Uh, 4 a.m. Uber. Oh, yes. Brutal. 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 But, but, you know, this, again, this isn't a worries me, but they're long days, aren't they? Mm. It's a long preseason. Pre- we know we're, we're putting ourselves into it. This isn't an eight-hour day. This is always yeah. constantly... You know, minimum 12, if not, you know, delve into 13, 14, 15. And we don't, you don't mind it because one, you know, you're getting paid to come out here, which is fair enough. Two, you know, you've got to go above and beyond. But there was, there has been a couple of times where it's just been, I mean, I've slept like a baby here. It's just, it's just nonstop. Everything's breaking at the same time. And it's just a case of keeping on top of everything. Yeah, it's, it's always busy. But, you know, you, yeah, you can't complain. We, we, we enjoy it. Uh, it's a massive part of the job. It's a privilege to come out here and do all this kind of stuff. Um, we've not had any beach time. No beach time. But to be honest, and I've said this to Rosie a million times, I'm not... If, no, I'm not massive on the beach. If, if I had to choose between... I am massive spe- on the beach, but not, I'm not, <laughs> not massive about the beach. Um, if you gave me the choice between a pool day or a beach day, I'm yeah. taking a pool day. Oh, day 100%. Long. For me, well, you know I'm, a, as we discussed already, mm. a bit of a clean freak. Mm. I look after you. I'm, you do. I'm picking up your snotty tissues everywhere like a four-year-old child. Well, I've been sick for three days, but uh, I'm still here. Yeah, no big deal. Um, <laughs> in fact, there's one hanging out of the bin as we speak. <laughs> I just spotted it in the yeah. corner. You might be oh, yours. Lovely. Definitely yeah. not mine, mate. Um, and um, <laughs> for me, the, the the beach is a big... It's a lot of hassle, isn't it? You know, Sand in sand, shoes. Sand gets into crevices that, <laughs> that you don't want it to. Um, to be honest, I've watched a lot of shark videos recently, and, oh, and, and, I'm, and I'm now scared of going in the sea. Okay. So we had a cornetto, sure. and that wasn't just my shirt on day one. <laughs> we did. We had that. The beach. And for me, that's 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 beach enough. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, and we put the we put the shades on. Obviously, we've been doing different videos each day and uh, reports and reaction. And um, I think look, we're in a beautiful place, by the way. And uh, I think this is probably the best Airbnb that we've had. And that says a lot because, I mean, some of the places you and Spurs stayed in were magnificent. They, they, I mean, we, we, had to, we struggled on some occasions, to be honest. <laughs> there, was some, there were some real struggles over the years. But uh, we've, I thought our Benidorm combination was decent it enough. It was very good. It was. This is, this is, this is amped up. For, from, for people who don't know, um, we are in a lovely little uh, two-bedroom apartment. But the most important thing, two things, especially when you're in Portugal, and the temperatures are ferocious here, ferocious. Um, air conditioning and Wi-Fi, and we have got them in abundance. And the Wi-Fi is unbelievable. It's better than in my house. It's absolutely superb. Very, very good. And uh, obviously, I've had a chance to to bronze what, since we've been here. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm an Adonis as we speak. We were watching the, um, um, the the Wolves against the 23 Man City under 23s yesterday, and you were you were burning slightly, weren't you? Look, you had to go into the shade a little fortunately, bit. Fortunately, I didn't actually burn because I was pretty convinced it was going to happen. Um, but those trips to the shade that happened for the first. Half an hour, 40 minutes, I didn't move once. True. Then after that, I moved probably every 15 minutes or so. Mm. And um, it was the best decision I made. If I didn't do really? that, if I didn't do that, I'd be a beetroot today. Because <laughs> I, I could feel my back of my neck and my head and everything just burning. Yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling good about that decision. But it's not a great look when you have to. It's not, it's not a great look. Look, we've... Um... Things are starting to take shape now in terms of um, getting some minutes on the pitch. We're starting to see players starting to reach full fitness. And of course, they were in Portugal prior to this. They came back and with the South Korea tour being cancelled, Liam, 
Um, they decided to come back to Portugal. They've had a game against Porto. They've had a game against Man City under 23s. We then fly tomorrow to Dublin, where they'll play Celtic on Saturday, Luton on Wednesday, Ren on the Saturday, and then we've got a week's break, I believe, and a week and bits break until until Manchester United on the Monday. So things are things are going to take shape very quickly here. Now, taking shape on the pitch and taking shape off the pitch are two very different things. And of course, there's been a lot of talk about what's going on behind the scenes. But I want to, before we talk about that, and we are going to talk about that a lot, um, and that's going to be coming up in the second half of this show. And there's a reason why we haven't taken questions for this first podcast of the season. It's because I felt the need for Liam and, and myself, but mainly Liam, of course, to speak about a lot of things that have been going on. And hopefully we can explain to those who are confused. And there is a lot of confusion out there. And I understand why there is confusion out there. But there's some really important stuff that I think that we want to get across to you guys in the second half of this show. So we'll get to that. But I want to talk basically on the pitch first and the players and what we've seen so far. Um, So, Kino, Porto, um, the squad... One new addition in, in Matt Doherty. Don't forget Tom King. Uh, Tom yeah. King. Sorry, t- sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. I haven't seen Tom King play yet. Uh, that's a lie. He, oh, no, he's he, come in the second half against Man City. <laughs> yes. He did, he did yes, yesterday. He did. Bless him. Um, four keepers, you know. I know. No goalkeeper coach, but four goalkeepers. <laughs> well, uh, we've, got a, we've got a temporary goalkeeper Scott coach. Scott te- you know, yeah. temporary and uh, doing a, a superb job. Like a John Ruddy lookalike. An older John yeah, Ruddy. Yeah, big lad. Yeah, big lad. I won't mess with him, mate. I mean, what? He's <laughs> I mean, big on the beach. I mean, <laughs> What's your jiu-jitsu skills? Do you reckon you take him down? Easy. Oh, wow. wow. Easy. Um, so, 1-0 win over Porto, which is obviously good to start. What did you make of the team, the makeup of it, the way that they played on the night, and any kind of early indications as to what we might see come Manchester United in a few weeks' time? Yeah, so I think the, the formation wasn't really a surprise. 4-2-3-1. Um, it was good to see Sarabia playing uh, sort of the number 10 central kind of position. Um, and... I don't know if it is a surprise or not, but to see Nunes out wide, I think that was one of the, the biggest takeaways for me from that game because uh, just on his performance, first he, he was pretty decent, I thought, first half. He was probably maybe one of the standouts in what was a fairly subdued kind of game. Yeah. I, um, thought, I thought the, the, the pace that he played at yes. as well, he was really busting a gun. That's what you want to see, really. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, a few you know, real nice intricate touches mm-hmm. in, in tight areas and, and one-two passes and, and just... Finding space and attacking space and being more forward-thinking, particularly when you're, you know, a wide player, mm-hmm. and and linking it well with the players around. So I think, it, and obviously his assist was simple but effective, and um, and and he had, he had a good game. But to play him out wide, I mean, I know they're very short on wide players at the moment, but the idea of him potentially playing out wide going into the season and perhaps for the full season um, is one that leaves me with a few question marks because I still don't see him as a winger. I still see him as a as a, a number eight midfielder. Mm-hmm. Could you, you know, in modern football, you know, Valverde at Real Madrid is a number eight midfielder that's been playing out in the, the, the uh, out wide for you know a fair bit of time now. It's a sort of modern approach in European football that this, that is tends to be taking shape. Um, if you can allow him to come inside and get on the ball, there's chances of it working. Um, but I'm a, a little bit hesitant, a little a little bit of trepidation over that one. But overall, it was the game was. It wasn't the most entertaining. Mm-hmm. Porto had a few decent chances early on. Wolves were sloppy with a few passes. Dawson, Lamina, Semedo passing out of play on a few occasions. Mm-hmm. But this is what you're going to see in pre-season. And um, there was no real surprise. I think 
it was a good test against a good side, but you can't read loads no. into into the final form of it, really. No, um, I got one one player in Pedro Neto who got on the score sheet, of course, but a long time since we've seen him have a you know a preseason under his belt, and he's obviously been injury free for a little bit now. Um, going into this season, and under Lopetegui, I think is one of the people who could really progress. Um, and you know, you're looking for players, and I think this has been the case. And I understand, especially with the way that things were going last year, that. Um, Lopetegui had to change his team about on a on a on a weekly basis. You know, he had to keep keep teams on the toes, keep players on the toes, and some players weren't playing particularly well that they had to keep the play. So, you know, there was a lot of chopping and changing. I wonder, in in the case of Pedro Neto and the way that he's uh, looked at by Lopetegui and by this team, whether he would want someone like that to be uh, an addition and a and an asset and someone who's going to be a regular starter in this side going on this season? Well, they haven't got enough players <laughs> without him, so he kind of has to be. Um, Depending on the system they play. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, it's, it's, injuries have been a big problem, of course. You need a little bit of luck. <clears throat> you need a little bit of consistency. You need everything to fall into place, particularly when you're coming back from injuries, let alone, you know, if, even if injuries haven't happened yet, you need mm-hmm. that, that luck in the first place. So there's a lot of factors that need to fall into place for Pedro Neto. But Wolves, I wouldn't say they're desperately relying on it. I mean, at this stage, they've obviously not got many other options. Mm. But you can see for the rest of this season, they're going to be almost reliant on a a Neto-type player to be providing what they need Mm numbers-wise, goals and assists, and and impact on the pitch. So um, it has to happen. He has to now prove what we know he can do Mm. pre-injury. And of course, last summer he had a good pre-season, then got injured again. And and as I say, it comes down to luck a lot of the time. But his performances before he got injured last season weren't particularly good. Mm. So um, finding the right system, giving him the freedom to really get his head down and run with the ball because mm. that is the kind of player he is. He's more mm. in that Adama Traore mould than he is a Sarabia mould. And you give him the opportunity and the licence to be a little bit freer and, mm. and, and get forward. Whereas on the other flank, Nunes will probably do the opposite type yeah. of role. So um, you can see you know, the, the balance there. And is it a bit lopsided that we're having Nunes on... On one side, I, I think in many ways it, it adds balance because Semedo's going to want to get forward, mm-hmm. Doc's going to want to get forward on that mm-hmm. right side. Left side, Bueno, of course, will want to get forward, but I think he's probably of those three, mm-hmm. arguably the best defender of those three. Mm-hmm. So I think it just gives a little bit more dynamism to the side, and I think if you, with that, that could be the key to unlocking more chances mm-hmm. and more goals because Wolves have been struggling for both. A um, few things I want to discuss, I guess, in different areas on the field. Mateus Cunha led the line again. Um, is this something that we're going to see and we're going to continue seeing this season? We, we've talked about the ten and the nine situation, so we're blue in the you know um, blue in the face. But we saw Fabio Silva, who had a fantastic introduction, um, shook every single player at Porto. It was almost I'm surprised he didn't do a lap of honour before he got back onto the subs bench at the start of the game. <laughs> but he did look bright when he came on, and it's good to see him back in the Wolves shirt. And I actually thought he he, he did pretty well. Um, you've sold Raul Jimenez for just over five million. It looks strange in a Fulham kit, by the way. Fulham, Fulham admin, don't put a flipping. What were, <laughs> what did they put? Brazilian, Brazilian flag in. I mean, crikey! Um, but obviously he's gone now. In terms of striking, you've got Sasha Kalajic, which we'll come on to, who played against uh, Manchester City yesterday, and I thought was the pick of the players that I've actually watched in in both games. I thought he was very, very good. Can you see Cunha being a lone striker this season or do you think that he needs to have one of these two players if they are to stay ahead of him? 
ahead of him is not the way I'd phrase it, to be honest, okay. because although, yes, we've seen a 4-2-3-1 so far, um, whether that remains the case or whether that is a purely down to the players at his um, at his disposal mm-hmm. at the moment, uh, Lopetegui, I think, for me, and we said this a lot last season as well, Cunha should be playing alongside what you would call a traditional number mm. nine. And for me, that is a Fabio, a Kalajic. I mean, to be fair, watching Fabio for against the, the 23s uh, a little bit, against the Man City 23s a little bit yesterday, um, he, he does drop in as well, almost similar to the mm. Cunha kind of type of mould. I do think he is more of a nine than Cunha is. But he's, he's, also, he's, he's pushing to get into, into that box, isn't yeah, he? He's not yeah, staying yeah. in the box, but he's one who's going to make that run to get in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. But Kalajic is your very much a traditional yeah. number nine. Yeah. Um, and I would like to see them playing alongside, whether that means Sarabia doesn't start, whether it means Sarabia starts out wide. Mm. Of course, horses for courses, you imagine throughout the season, the things will change. But Cunha, for me, should, shouldn't be a lone striker. Mm. I think if you have to start the season that way and you make adjustments that would mean after the transfer window, mm. if that isn't the case, mm. that's doable. But I don't think long term... He should be yeah. a sole number nine. Okay. Um, I think he needs some. He needs someone there with him, and I feel like he would benefit playing off someone. Where's Huang fitting into this lineup? Right, left, central? Is he going to be a, a versatile? So he's going to play across the three, but probably not a starter. Would you say? It's a tough one to call. It depends on the form of a Neto, really, because Huang has played on the left a lot for Wolves. He played on the right against the Man City Twenty Threes with um, Owen Farmer playing out on the left. Obviously, Lopetegui's played him occasionally as a nine when he's you know, really desperately mm. needed to. If he's not a nine for me, it's mm. similar with Cunha. But um, I know Lopetegui likes him. He likes the fact that he's a, he's a hard worker. Mm. He, he can rely on him away from home when you have to be a bit more um, defensively solid. And I would see him coming off one of the flanks and, uh, and playing more of an inside forward type of role. Again, he, he's a more dynamic and powerful runner than Sarabia. Mm-hmm. But he's, I think he's similar to Sarabia in the sense that he's going to play in between the lines. He wants the ball almost to feet, playing one-two touch passes. I don't, I don't see him as someone, albeit he's a powerful runner with the ball, I don't see him as someone who's going to knock the ball past a, a defender and, uh, and take them on around the outside. So um, as the type of wide forward, more of an inside forward, playing in between the lines, allowing the fullback to overlap and getting closer to the striker, I would say. Um, of course... This is subject to what's going to go on in the future. We'll talk about this later on. But in terms of having a striker and a wide player, do you feel that Wolves still need still short of, of both? Striker, I think numbers-wise... Is it depending on if Fabio stays? Yes, I think so. Because albeit I don't... I think we're both in agreement that Cunha isn't a nine. Wolves are counting on him and playing him as a nine mm. or, or one of the nine options. So taking that into account, him, Fabio, Kalajic, I would say numbers-wise, they're probably actually okay unless they're going to consistently play 4-4-2, for example, and they have to have a fourth striker. I think they're probably okay numbers-wise there. The question is, have you got the goals there? That's you know a totally separate issue. Numbers-wise, I think they're okay. Wide forwards, wide forwards, they definitely need some. If you're counting Nunes there, you've got Nunes, Sarabia, Neto and Huang. For me, I, I I don't think Nunes is a wide forward, and I think you have to make a, at least one signing there. Mm. You probably also then need to make a forward-thinking, attacking field signing, um, and then with needing a centre back as well, obviously to replace Collins. You're looking at in the region of four at a push, maybe signings. Mm-hmm. So the numbers is not 
huge the Wolves need to add because the, yeah. the, the squad was bloated really wasn't it yeah. at, the end, at the end of last season oh he needed a reset he needed a refresh he needed a reset refresh he definitely needed a, this this move obviously the problem is they're now going to likely start the season without mm. you know some key uh, positions filled and, and and that obviously is running the running the risk do you have an issue with the actual players I mean look, we're taking out FFP at the moment and stuff like that but the actual players and the money that they've got back for those players do you have an issue with any one of those sales so far this season or do you think that it's it was much needed not really, to be honest. I mean, obviously, the Neves deal was exactly what they mm-hmm. needed, really. It was going to happen anyway, but the fact it was worth more, he went to a non-Premier League side, etc., etc. Um, and then, other than that, I mean, the fees, by and large, have been probably about right for players. I think there's maybe a small argument that Ryan Giles, I think we both would say maybe maybe a tad more there. Um, but uh, the fees, the where they've gone... I can't really find many complaints about any of the players that have gone. I think you know they most of them come to the natural end of the cycle at Wolves. The only thing you might say is Raul Jimenez going to a, a Premier League side. Is that going to come back and bite you mm. on the bottom? That's the only. That's my only question mark, really. Yeah, um, a couple of other battles I want to talk about, or just you know, I guess for you to discuss, um, Doc and Semedo this season. Uh, you spoke to Doc today. I thought he was fantastic at yeah, the team hotel. Yeah, really good. Really good interview. He's, you know, despite his demeanour at times, you know, which is um, kind of like, um, I guess, uh, rounded shoulders and maybe a bit huffy puffy. He actually is a, a really lovely guy and he's an excellent interview. And I thought he spoke very well. And that will come out, I'm sure, in the next uh, week or so anyway, that, that interview in depth. So that's great. But him and Semedo, people will talk about um, Doc uh, being a right wing back and he's not a right back. But what did he say about that and about that battle? Yeah, I think um, he actually gave quite a good um, response to that because he said, look, before Nuno turned me into a right wing back, I was a right back. I played I played right back. I played two seasons at left back because, yeah. because of injuries. Yeah. Um, I remember it well. He, he played full back, uh, you know, consistently, um, which I think a lot of people forget. And it's, and it's a very fair point on, on his behalf that, look, um, he can understand some question marks over defending, but he's played there, he's been there and done it. He's, he's certainly a more well-rounded and more experienced player that now than he was when he was playing that position. And you would have to say that the likelihood is that he'll adapt fine to it. Um, of course, going forward is his bread and butter, isn't it? He wants to get forward, he wants to add goals, assists, he wants to get involved in Wolves scoring and winning games. And you've got to try and find the right balance there. The Semedo one will be really interesting because um, I probably rate Semedo slightly higher than you do, I think. Um, he's definitely had good periods in Wolf's shirt, but he's definitely not lived up to the transfer fee and, and the expectation no. from when he arrived three years ago. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on. And I said this on a video with you recently, actually, that I could see him starting the season. I think he started against Porto. Um, obviously, Doty came on at half-time mm. for him. But Samedo had a slight shoulder issue, but I think he you know, seems okay. Provided he's fit and, and starts the season, I could see him starting as the number one mm. under Lopetegui. And by October, I could see Doherty taking over and, and being the number one because I think I just think he's going to be more well-rounded in that in that position. I mean, obviously, centre back situation is um, can't ha- I can't make this happen, but it's kind of funny when you look at Nelson Semedo and Matt Doherty, and you think both of those players probably excelled more in a, in a wing back style system. Um, and, and you look on the left hand side, and probably someone like a Ryan and he does as well. Um, I guess that. I guess, but you know, Lopetegui has, has, has gone back, and he's 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 going to stick to that four. Could you see any chance? And I guess this will, this will depend on incomings as well. Any chance whatsoever that those players 
would be allowed to uh, and to change in formations, maybe make you make best use of those. If you look at Ryan Giles going, it means it's looking better for Ryan Atnori to stay at the club at this moment in time. Uh, after kind of getting bombed out really at the back end of the season so he's got a bit of a reprieve of him changing tactics slightly maybe in certain games or do you think it's a flat back four and that's it? Yeah, on the Aitnoy thing obviously I think they probably would get him out on a loan if they were able to bring Cresswell for example which they were aiming to do but obviously we'll come on to the FFP stuff and at the moment there's no movement so yeah, as it stands Aitnoy might end up all of a sudden being battling for battling for a starting spot alongside Bueno and um Look, I, don't, I, I wouldn't rule anything out in terms of formation. I think Lopetegui has proved that he's shrewd enough to change uh, tact if he has to. Um, but for me, he sticks with a four for the vast majority. I think that's his. Mm-hmm. That's how he wants to play. Um, and, I, and I don't think... I, I can't see that changing long-term. I think for certain games, certain moments in games, we'll see changes. And he got the personnel to be able to do that. Mm. Um, I just don't see it being a long-term thing. Uh, Saar and Bentley as well both played uh, against Porto. For me, Saar made a couple of errors again. Um, one that he went for the ball, I think it was... Uh, I might have been, was it? No, they played 45 minutes each, didn't they? No. Oh, did, did no, Saar play a little bit Saar longer? played the full game, I think, and Barton oh, Bentley just played against Man City. Oh, OK. Yeah. I thought I thought Saar had a little bit of an iffy game, to be honest. I thought his kicking wasn't great. I thought he came out. There was a bit of a miscommunication. It was pretty much the Saar we saw back in the last season, actually. Slow of his line. A ton, yeah, well. very slow of his line. He did make a couple of very good saves second half, to be fair to him. But I just think... The overall confidence I had it in him watching in that specific game, it just seemed a little shaky, didn't it? Could you see Jose Saar and Dan Bentley being a, a real battle there, or do you think that Saar is the number one and that's that's it? There was talk, of course, of, of Saar, I think it was Nottingham Forest, I think he was, uh, a few weeks ago. That doesn't like it's materialised, but is Saar someone who could be on the chopping block? Or do you feel that he's he's very much the number one and um, his his place is secure going forward into the season? Almost similar to Semedo, I do think he starts as number one, and genuinely would not be surprised to see Bentley come in and take that spot. I think Bentley's you know he's really stamped his authority on the dressing room. He's a member of the the sort of new leadership group that, that they formed um, at the club, and he's a big character, uh, and I think he's a good goalkeeper. So. Um, I, it depends how Sar starts the season. It really does, provided he stays, of course. But it depends how he starts the season. And I could definitely see a world in which Bentley surpasses him if he doesn't make the kind of start that what we saw in his first season, really. Mm. If we saw a very inconsistent, slightly shaky, nervous Sar like we did for parts of last season, not the whole of last season, but certainly parts of it, then I think Bentley's got the, the capability of, uh, of taking that number one shirt off him. Just moving, I guess, on to the Manchester City game. By the way, City and under twenty three is academy. Crikey, there's some decent players some in there. There's there. going to be some decent household names in a few years' time. You can just tell they're just made differently, aren't they? Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, but Wolves, it was good to see Wolves. It was good to see Bubakar as well. Yes. Bubakar Traore playing. Uh, Jao Gomez, of course, has played in that game. Uh, Sasha Kalajic, who we spoke about yesterday, saying that I thought he impressed. I thought he was really, really good on the day. Um, and and those plays that you saw on the on the Wednesday, was there anyone else who you thought were, um, looked useful? And and also, you know, the Jao Gomez and 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 Traore, how are they going to be used? Do you feel this season? Do you feel that one of them could be a regular starter, or it's still going to be horses for courses and seeing what you know as and when they'll have a start here and a start then, and more squad based than than first team starter week in week out. Well, I mean, as the you know, with the numbers they've got in midfield, you're probably looking at both of them starting. 
um, as it stands because you know you've got them two, uh, Gomez and Bibicatori, Joe Hodge. Do you play? Is Nunes going to play there? Is he going to play out wide? Mm. There's a big question mark there. Kundal, obviously, we don't know what's happening. Is that a lot? I mean, that's a. I mean, you take Nunes out of there, who's obviously the most experienced person. You move him onto the right hand side. That's a very young central midfield. Yeah, very young, um, and I think it just needs a little bit of bog string, doesn't it? Um, with with a forward thinking midfielder potentially as well as a ball playing midfielder as well. I think mm. you could you could argue you, you need a, a, you know a couple in there. And um, and particularly the way Lopetegui likes to play, I think you know he's often played games with almost midfield packed, hasn't he? And I think he would want one at least addition in there to just to box out a little bit. Um, so as it stands, you can see them both starting because yeah. you don't have many other options. And I like Joe Hodge a lot, really do as a as a player. It's just is he going to be um, good number one starter throughout the whole next season? I don't. You don't think. He's not probably not ready for that, and you probably don't want him to be that. If you can, if he doesn't go on loan anywhere, of course, you probably want him to play 20 to 30 games with a mixture of starts and sub-appearances next season to build him up as a player. Uh, if he's going to, I don't know, start 40 games and and uh, and be one of your number ones, I think you leave and you have a little bit short for the mm. season. And Kalajic, just a word on him. You were, you were impressed as well, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Um, for a player, I know he's had this injury twice now, but for a player coming back from an ACL injury... He showed no signs of someone who's got any mental block, any worry, any concern over the fact that it could happen again. No hesitation. He's not ready. Exactly. No hesitation at all. He was getting stuck into tackles, even on the knee that uh, that he injured. He was, you know, happily putting himself and his body um, in in harm's way potentially, just to you know win a 50-50, win a header, bring the ball down, link others into play. And for someone of that size and his stature, there's always almost a little bit of awkwardness <laughs> about the way that they move. Um, but his touch was very tidy. He brought others into play really easily. Some very clever passes. One really good headed opportunity that the goalkeeper saved and, and he could have easily scored. Um, I was impressed. He played about 60-ish minutes. I mean, obviously we had no time of there being a training round game, but there were 60-ish minutes. I tried like to that. show you a phantom uh, scoreboard. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Where is it? I'm like, it's behind that steward. You were, you were bopping forth like it was like a good duck in a, in a country fair. Um, so, yeah, I... I was pretty impressed with what I saw. He's, mm. He looks sharp. He's going to need time, mm. but um, you would hope that he might be the answer to a few more goals. And of course, from a centre-back point of view, we saw a, we saw a potential signing last night at the dinner. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. He did. Uh, Phil Jones was. Big Phil Jones was at the same restaurant as us, wasn't he? Um, I did approach him and ask him if he wanted a, a, you know a free signing yeah. um, as a, as our water boy. <laughs> For ENS Towers, but he, he, you know, he turned it down. Wasn't happy, was he? Uh, lovely, lovely restaurant, though, mate. Amazing, hey? really good. You know, it's a good sign when a former Manchester United player's in there. You know, it must be a decent enough, enough restaurant. He's got a bit of wedge, Jones, and he yeah, from, he, from his years he there. You know, he, he, he ran his contract down. He got paid for each each year. He's going to have a decent bit of uh, moolah. Took him for a lovely restaurant, beautiful, fantastic setting. You. you know, you deserve it. Um, lovely menu, full of beautiful ingredients, and what did he get? Beautiful people. Burger, chips, and a beer. <laughs> it's very true. Actually. <laughs> it's very true. Oh dear! You're making him laugh so much he's dying. Um, it was worth it. It was worth I it. I enjoyed it. You're I enjoyed worth it. it. Oh, you're worth it. Oh come on! That's lovely. That was a lovely moment. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Joke's over. Um, like I said earlier on in the podcast. Okay. We haven't asked questions this week because I wanted to talk to you about, we want to talk to you about a lot of things that are going on in and around the club at this moment in time. And there's a lot of information out there. Some of it's correct. Some of it's absolute rubbish. And 
I think it's important. We're in it. There's a dangerous precedent at this moment in time with rumors, news from fans, from journalists, from so-called, in inverted commas, in the nose. And there's a lot of confusion out there, Liam. And there's a lot of um, frustration and anger amongst the fan base about the situation with the squad at this moment in time. There's some frustration and anger in June Lopetegui. As you can see, he's obviously sat down with Guillaume Balaguer uh, earlier on this week, um, of which, you know, he's kind of referenced exactly what he said to us at the back end of last season. You know, there was there was a lot of in there that we already knew. There were a couple of, I guess, new things. He wasn't particularly happy with the Raul Jimenez sale. Um, I mean, look, I think I think most of the fans probably understand that it was a, probably a decent deal for the club, etc. But I understand it's a, it's a one player less for him. Um, and there's some very information, there's some kind of different information that's going on about FFP and why Wolves are still in financial, not trouble, but the financial restraints and why they can't sign players. Of course, the Alex Scott thing that you spoke about earlier on in the week and about, you know, what Wolves can and can't afford. There's talk about, like you say, Cresswell at the moment in time and can they get that deal over the line? Massive sales over or massive you know from a monetary point of view sales over the summer a lot of people thought that that was done and dusted and that wolves were about to to splash money to splash this eight to fifteen million pound you know price range on three four five six signings and at this moment in time we're nowhere near that so i want you to first of all if you can do liam explain exactly what's going on now we've got this information this information is 100% correct. It's watertight. It comes from a very, very strong, if not the strongest source possible. Now, I understand that people will not agree with it. People will um, be very disappointed about it, potentially. But whether you choose to believe it or not, this is what we are giving you. And we have a laugh and a joke a lot of the time on this podcast, and it's great. But there's a time when we need to kind of sit down, give you the facts, and tell you what's exactly going on. And I'm delighted to say that we'll be able to do that today. And that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why I'm not asking the questions. So Liam, I'm going to give the mic to you and pretty just kind of a bit of an explainer about the current financial situation, what's going on, and what are the issues um, that's facing the football club at this moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of this will be bits that you know we've gone over in the last few months, hence you know me sort of breaking the, the, the financial fair play uh, troubles the Wolves had uh, a few months ago and, and many of this will be sort of new more in-depth details about how everything is made up and what how Wolves what Wolves have to consider um going into into this year really this financial year so bear with me and, and I hope it I hope it makes uh, hopes makes a lot of sense to everyone so um try and you know explain it in layman's terms because uh, you know there's a lot of people out there who aren't financial advisors as Lopetegui will say me included and you have to try and get your head around whatever it means but the long and short of it is that Wolves made a £46.1 million loss in the financial year 2021-22. Going into the financial year, or the financial year that's already been, 2022-23, we won't find out what that uh, final figure is until sort of February, March next year. But the early predictions for that is it's going to be a loss of somewhere in the region of 60 to 80 million. Um, I, I'd say early predictions because things will change. Um, they'll, you know, they have to forecast what will happen. 
and um, and they find out the final figure sort of back end of this year uh, before it gets you know publicly uh, published. Um, so taking that into account, they're already over the 105 million allowed losses that come over the three-year period for the uh, <clears throat> Premier League's profit and sustainability rules, which is essentially the same as FFP. I know there's been a little bit of confusion there. So just stopping in there for a minute, £105 million. Yes. That's the threshold, right? Yeah, over a three-year period. Over a three-year period. Yeah. And then we're talking about the three-year period. So you say the three-year period is? 46.1 for the first year. Yeah. Estimated, because obviously it's not published yet, estimated yeah. 60 to 80 loss. And then you come into this financial year, which we're currently in, hence Wolves having to make a profit in this current financial year. So the 60 to 80 is last summer and January? It is, yes. Okay. And then you've, and then it's almost like the ghost Christmas past, present and future, right? Yeah, exactly. In, th in those three years? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And yeah. you don't, and it's not like those three years then stop and then that's a segment then it's gone. You're just knocking off a year every time you move on. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So... Um, to come back to this stuff as well in a second, but that, on to your point, for once they, they get through this year, and it's not just the summer, it's a full financial year as well, which takes you through into April next year. Once they get through this financial year and they go into the next financial year, the £46.1 million loss for 21-22 does not then count towards that three-year buffer. It's knocked off and you get going to the next year, which means provided Wolves make a profit this summer, or this year rather, and they get through into the next financial year, they'll be in a much healthier position to be able to invest in the football side of things again. So um, it's not, you know, it's not the best news for fans because it means they have to get through this year still. Um, but financially, when you look at the figures and you crunch those numbers, that is exactly the position Wolves are in where they have to get through this financial year without breaching financial fair play uh, or the profit and sustainability rules, whichever way you want to phrase it, because... Fosham have made a decision, one that isn't, it's a difficult one and people may disagree with, but have made a decision that they do not want to breach these rules. Now, a really important point I think to mention is that we don't know what happens when a club breaches these rules. Everton and Man City have allegedly broken these rules and there's been no precedent for a punishment for those two yet. Um, we were both discussing this earlier and I think we came up with quite a good example for, for people to understand. If Everton tomorrow were given, found guilty and given a £1 million fine, Fosum may decide that that's worth breaking, that's the fine worth paying, let's go and give Lopetegui everything he wants and go and spend a load of money. Um, they would breach the rules, but they would only get a, you know, a very small punishment. If tomorrow Everton get found guilty and they are relegated from the Premier League or they get given a 10-point deduction or whatever it might be, I think many people would turn around and, in hindsight and say, Fosun have done the right thing by deciding that we're 100% not going to breach financial fair play and turn a profit. Um, we don't know what happens to clubs who, who breach those rules yet and Wolves, Wolves have made a decision and Fosun have made a decision that they will not breach it. Um, tomorrow, if they wanted to, they could go out and spend this money. As I've just said, they could go and breach it. They could spend this money. They could buy Alex Scott. They could buy everyone under the sun. But they would, at this moment in time, with the predictions and the forecast they've got for all of the things they have to take into account, uh, they will breach those rules. And the, the club have made a decision not to do that. And so just to give an, a, an idea of what goes into those forecasts, which you can imagine for the financial department, who I do not envy, no. um, it's a hell of a lot of things. Right, because, because a lot of people, Liam, are, are just saying, well, but Liam, 
We've sold £85 million worth of players this summer. £85 million of the players. There's no way in a million years that we can still have financial restraints on us. And there's a lot of people, some journalists and, and, and obviously fans included, are like, this is ridiculous. It's not FFP. Something else is going on. It's a smokescreen. Um, we don't believe it. But that's not the case, is it? No, no, absolutely not. Look, um, when you look at these forecasts and you look at in income and expenditure and everything they have to take into account, there are a lot of things that are certain and there are a lot of things that are very much ifs and buts, i.e. what they have to make predictions and forecasts. We're talking TV revenue. Wolves will get a certain number of games, but for every other game they get, they get a very sizable chunk of money and we don't know how many more games they're going to get on top of the sort of the bare minimum. You've got player wages, you've got bonuses, you've got, you know, game-related bonuses, you've got the Premier League prize money for the final league position. You get a certain amount of money and it increases. For each league position, you go up the table. Wolves have to predict and forecast where they're going to finish next May and put that into their financial forecasts. If they finish fourth next season, they're going to get a lot more money than if they finish 17th and vice versa. They'll get a lot less money if they finish 17th than if they would have finished 13th like they did last season. They have to take all of this into account and come up with some sort of uh, estimates and forecast as to where they're going to be. You've also then got the you know the, the issue with, as you, as you mentioned there, with, with player sales because not all, it, it's not as black and white as you know, supporters seem to seem to think the money just doesn't just come in and, you know, Wolves have got, right, they've got 90 million, they've got 90 million in, in the green, in profit, they're fine. Um, looking at the balance sheet and comparing the assets, it's not as simple as, a you know, a transfer fee coming in for, in for a player. They've got to consider, consider the value of the asset, which in this sense is, you know, the footballer we're talking about, and that compares to the fee that they've received. So there's a good example that we've sort of fished up uh, today to, uh, to give to you guys. Um, Ryan Giles went for 5 million, Jimenez went for 5.5 million, uh, both very similar fees. But Giles' sale is worth more to Wolves for their bottom line because of his low wages and the fact that he was essentially free coming through from the academy in comparison to Jimenez when you compare the value of the asset to the money that they're receiving for for him. So, there's so, it's, a not, lot. so it's not actually what a player is... So far, to a certain extent, it's their asset to, and how valuable they are to the football club with everything else that's included. Yes, and then that obviously compares to the, the money that mm -hmm. you're getting for them as well. So um, it, it's it's nowhere near as black and white as people think it is. And of course, obviously, you know, amortisation where the money comes in uh, over a certain amount of years as well. But um, in terms of the balance sheet, it's, it's you know, comparing the asset value of that of that player to the money that, 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 that they've received. And there's a lot of things that go into that when it comes to agent fees, wages, bonuses, how much money they actually receive for him in the end. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of that goes towards, alongside those, you know, million other things I've just mentioned, mm. goes towards the final forecast for what this summer is going to be. Um, and you have to try to turn this profit in what is a very, very narrow margin. Another, I guess, I guess the, the falling foul of certain signings as well at this moment in time, certain big signings that is always going to catch up with them and some of them have worked and some of them haven't worked out. I mean, well, I'm not saying that um, Matthias Cunha has come for massive money, do you know what I mean? So, and hopefully he, he comes and, and does a great job, but we, Wolves gave Lopetegui 
a lot of players who we needed in January, but they came in for big, big money and big, big wages as well. And sometimes some smaller money and bigger and, and, and big wages. You know, Gonzalo Guedes, you've also got the sackings of Bruno Large and all of his backroom staff. This is all factored in, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The large one's a really important one. That's a, you know, it's costly to sack a manager and, and, and a backroom team. Um, and that obviously was last October. That's taken into account absolutely uh, for, you know, the, the, the losses that they've had in the, uh, in the last financial year. Um, and then these kind of mistakes that, <coughs> as you mentioned, Geddes is a big one, big money spend on players that probably haven't returned on the field, what you would like them to return yet. And Lopetegui's becoming the victim of this. Uh, you have to feel for him because the goalposts have been moved to some extent for him, unfortunately. Um, he's, he talked about miscommunication yesterday. Yeah, exactly. A miscommunication in the sense that you know he felt he was going to get something to spend on players and it's now at this moment in time turning into very little. You know, they, they, they were close to pushing the button for Alvedi and Cresswell, for example. Um, they're on ice as it stands. You know, I wouldn't go as far as saying they're definitely not going to happen, but they're certainly on ice with, uh, with where they are at the moment and they're looking to... Obviously, they moved on Jimenez and Giles. Now they're looking to move Pedence on next, and uh, most likely Johnny if they can if they can get uh, you know a deal for him. And Lopetegui's become the victim of the circumstances that that came before him, really, and the mistakes that came before him. Because Wolves have had to overspend, or well, they weren't forced to overspend originally. They overspent to to try and move the club on. Signings haven't worked. They've been forced to overspend again to you know save the club's position in the Premier League, and they're now in a position where the manager that saved them is the one that's, um, you know, having to suffer because he's not able to get the players in that he needs. So you can understand where his frustrations come from. Yeah. And it's very much, albeit they're all part of the same football club, you know, there's very much two parties at play here because mm. Lopetegui on the football side of things wants what he wants to do, you know, he needs the tools for the for the job and needs to um, get, the, get the players in. And equally... You know, Foson, Jeff Shee, Wolves as a club will think, right, well, we backed you in January, we gave you what you needed. You know, we were aware that we were going to struggle in, in the summer and you feel like maybe, you know, you're going to have to crack on with what we've got. Mm. Um, you would like to think that with a couple more sales, they can make a couple more additions. Maybe you might see some loans, some free, some small, smaller transfer fee players coming in, but it'll be interesting to see if they can get it over the line. Um, another example quickly as well when it comes to you know, looking at the balance sheet and what players, uh, you know, how much profit you get for a player or how much it's actually going to cost to bring a player in. Um, if, for example, and this is, of course, you know, speaking hypothetically, but if you were to bring Cresswell in for, I don't know, one or two seasons uh, on his contract uh, for a couple million mm -hmm. and he was on big wages... And then you compare that to bringing in Alex Scott, for example, on for 20-odd million for a five- or six-year contract. He'll be on considerably lower wages yeah. than Cresswell. Um, when it comes to the balance sheet, they are fairly similar. Very similar they're, players they're, on the balance sheet. They're very similar players. Just on try the and explain sheet. that again, because I think that just needs going over again. Because people will be listening to this and going, what do you mean Cresswell and Scott would be... Would be would be the same kind of players in a balance sheet. Of course, they're not. You know, it's four million quid signing uh, for a two-year deal, and, and someone who's a marquee signing who's going to be twenty-five million pound. Why would they be the same on a balance sheet? Surely their names on the paper and and their monetary values are are completely different. And surely Scott would be would be more valuable, and Cresswell would be a, a you know a very small outlay. So just, I mean, I understand it, but I've had to had it explained to me two or three times today, and. 
So I think just go if you just go over that again, and I think that that'd be really helpful. Yeah, it, it's it all comes down to obviously the the, the cost of the uh, transfer is going to be spread. And over the it. fancy word I guess people are using or the word. Oh yeah, the amortization is the is the sort of uh, financial jargon that you, <laughs> that you use here. Um, yeah, obviously the money gets spread over uh, the contract length as well, and um, and yeah, I mean it, it's difficult to explain it sort of more than I have without using the jargon again. So I'm hoping people understand. Um, you know, you've got to, con- in terms of Wolves' bottom line, the, with the wage difference and how much you're paying for him, uh, the value of the asset compared to uh, to the profit or, or you know what, what's on the balance sheet is, uh, they, they would work out the same purely over the length of the contract and and sort of the wages he was on. Um, and I think people just see the sort of flat fees and think that it's, you know. Black and white. Black and white is the yeah exactly is the phrase I'm looking for, um, and it's not quite that. It, it is you know it's a, it's a it's an arduous process to 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 put this together, and um, and, and that's what where rules have had to put these forecasts and these predictions in place for you know the last financial year, and obviously trying to navigate this very very tight margins of this financial year. Um, so a couple of things I guess that we want to talk about. Off the back of that, and I guess I guess this is the frustration. You talked about Lopetegui, obviously, is very frustrated at this moment in time. I mean, June Lopetegui, his main aim and his only aim and his sole aim is to make sure he has got a great start or a strong starting eleven and a good squad that he's happy with on that pitch against Manchester United two weeks on Monday. That's his main goal. And it's very much a short-term goal. In, manage, in management, it is a short term. You, you know, you're living game to game. Your job is game to game sometimes. You know, okay, you can look at a month or three months or six months in advance, but it is very much a short term look and a view. And I guess from Fosen's point of view and Jeff Shee's point of view, he they're looking at the long game. They're looking at um, financial stability over the course of three, five, ten years' time. Now, people are now questioning that because there's some stories coming out today that that Fosun may be up for sale or they're looking for a full sale or partial sale. Um, first on, so two questions, I guess, to you. First of all, on Jeff and that we haven't really heard from him and there's a lot of confusion around. Do you feel that that might be the time where maybe the chairman does need to step in and maybe speak and maybe just, not? I'm not saying he's a lay the fields, but at least explain what the situation's going on? Because at the end of the day, you are at this moment in time, Liam. You're, we're trying to explain to the fans and they're frustrating like you say you can understand it but do you feel now is the time and also on the back of that a lot of people are saying well are folks looking short term and they're looking to to make a sale from this company from to, to make a sale of this football club yeah I think um absolutely you know the fans need to hear something from from Jeff Shee um just to put some of the rumors to rest a little bit um, you know, I would like to think back up what we're saying here as well, because as you've you've said, there are you know some people going against um, what the reality is, unfortunately, and I think that needs explaining. And, um, and I think the fans just deserve a bit more of an explanation um, f- from the horse's mouth, really. So um, that I think is is a really important part. I mean, and we've not heard from him in, in a fair while now. There was obviously no Aspwolves this summer, um, and you have to feel a little bit for the club because you know Aspwolves will go out and it will get criticised, and it. When they don't do it, equally gets criticised. So it's a, it's a difficult position to be in, but the fans deserve to hear something. So that, that would be the first point I would make. Um, the second point is, yeah, I mean, look, the, all of the noise coming out of the club 
is that the Fosun are absolutely 100% on board and committed to Wolves. They see it as a core part of their portfolio, their conglomerates. It's a massive part of their business and they've got no intentions to sell. Now we know for a fact it's been reported previously, it was a few years ago as well when it first emerged, they are looking at investors. They, you know, they've had some very minor um, investments over the years as well. They are looking for something more substantial and they have been for a, num for a number of years now. So that's nothing new. Um, but the idea of them selling uh, as a full or parcel sale, I think as it stands coming from the club is nothing, certainly in the short term. I think you can never say never on these kind of things because things change in football, particularly in football, um, and very quickly. But as it stands, the noise coming out is that they're, that they're not entertaining that idea. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess one player who we've talked about and we talked about, I think, a couple of days ago, and you gave some information on it, but this Alex Scott story, I mean, obviously Alex Scott is very much a, a target for Wolverhampton Wanderers, and I'm sure will remain to be a target for Wolverhampton Wanderers, but at this stage, Liam, that deal is not going to happen. I think there's a there's a story today about, latest story about him, Wolves making an offer of a loan with, a, with an ob obligation to buy, which has happened in the future, as, oh, sorry, in the past with the old school Nuno and Mendes, but... Um, where's, where are they with the Scott situation? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, they would they want to bring him in. I mean, that's that's no secret. Lopetegui's a big fan of him um, since, obviously, the Wolves uh, recruitment team and, uh, and scouting team put him to the manager, um, you know, a fair few months ago now. Um, they, they desperately want to sign him. Um, you can imagine that's a big part of Lopetegui's frustration. Um, if Wolves can do it this summer, they would still want to do it. But as it stands right now, they, they need to sell a couple more players before they can start to make any kind of moves happen. Um, so that's the unfortunate... Any, any kind of moves. As it stands, yeah. Unfortunately, that's the sort of long and short of it. Obviously, Jimenez and Giles have gone in the last couple of days, which is going to help. Um, but obviously, as I said, you know, Pedence and Johnny are the sort of next two on the chopping block if they can make moves happen. Um, so Wolves obviously want to make it happen, um, but they're you know, quickly losing... Uh, the high ground on this, you know, Bournemouth are obviously interested. You wouldn't be surprised if they come back in. They they, make, they could very quickly lose out on him. Um, but as you've mentioned, there, it's, it's not true that they've gone in with a loan uh, with an obligation. It would, um, ironically, it would be a it would be a really smart <laughs> smart move to do that. Um, and I'm sure many people hope that they do do that because obviously the the fee wouldn't be on his. Um, on, on, on the, the on, on the balance sheet until next uh, you know financial year, so it would make a lot of sense to do it. Uh, perhaps Wolves will do it, but as it stands today, after that news is broken, it hasn't happened. No, okay. Um, look, fans are fans are obviously upset. Um, they look at I guess Leicester City from last year, and they have similar issues, you know, with 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 wild spending, but they've obviously had the ultimate in uh, in success in in winning the Premier League, but. They stood, I guess, when you say stood still, but they didn't make any signings last season or very few signings last season. And look what happens. And I feel that there is a real sense of apprehension going into this new season, which I understand from supporters. I do think Wolves have got a decent 11 on paper, even at this moment in time. But it's one or two injuries and they are in serious trouble. And we know that. We know that there will be injuries. There will be injuries throughout the season. What could or could not change between now, between Manchester United, between now and September the 1st even, on transfer deadline day, 
that will change where we are at this moment in time? Or is there is there no real vast change that's going to happen between now? Is this the reality? They've got to really just get through this year or this season without big outlays and let's hope that they are in the Premier League. Let's hope that they finish mid-table. Let's hope, you know, I think I, anything else is a massive bonus, but let's say well, they're not in a relegation battle. They survive this season and then there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Is that very much what, what we're looking at at this moment in time? Uh, there's a couple of things to that. I mean, marginal changes in that they can make a couple extra of these sales that we've been talking about already and they, they may be able to, to, to make it work where they can, um, you know, bring a couple in. That's the, the, the you know the smallest of the the possibilities. Um, they could sell someone like Max Kilman, um, and they'd be in a much better position. But the club, I think, right rightfully actually, takes the stance at, the, at this moment in time that it's he's too important to sell at this moment in time for the financial benefit they would get out of it. Um, now, look, if it was a crazy offer coming in, that might change, of course. But I think at the, as it stands, that's probably not going to happen. Um, you've got other players like Fabio Silva again, Mateus Nunes, you'll probably command larger fees, but again, similar situation to, to Kilman. I don't think at this moment in time, Wolves could probably afford to make that, that call um, from a purely footballing point of view. Um, and then it comes back to, as far as I see it and as far as I'm aware, the only other option would be if Fosun decide to change their stance on not breaching the FFP, if they decide it's worth the risk, we don't know what Everton or Man City are going to potentially be hit with in terms of punishments, and we'll go for it and see what happens. Um, I think that's unlikely because they've obviously been, you know, keen to uh, keep the club stable and, and uh, sustainable. But if they decide to do that, then Wolves could spend. Um, Does it, what, would what, it depend on the start of the season? A little this bit, is exactly what I was about to say. What will be really interesting is if Wolves go and lose first three games, or they go and. I don't know, lose four out of the first five and they're really looking in in trouble. It will be it will test that it will test Fosun's resolve there because Lopetegui's gonna be putting the pressure on even more so than he is now to make signings. Um Fosun desperately don't want to be relegated. So it will test their resolve to say, right, are we just gonna go for it then and hope for the best? Um in the short term, that might work. In the long term, you're running a big risk. So um, it, it it comes down to a really big decision there and a quite a grave decision when it comes to potentially breaching the rules. Mm. Um, I dare say there's people listening to this, Liam, who still don't believe it. They still are like, it must be something else. It's not FFP. We're telling you now, it is FFP. It's solely FFP, correct? Yes, all the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules, which I've obviously I've been using recently, but it's, it's the same thing. Um, just trying to be more sort of technical mm. if you like um, I know a lot of people get very confused about the, the, the pair of them as well but yeah just to clear that up it, it absolutely is um, I, I don't think I can or we can do any more than telling it, it how it is and reporting it how it is and I would hope that people choose to believe it if they don't that's up to them yeah absolutely you know there's a, there's a lot of different and mixed messages out there I'd like to think that we are out here we're the only journalists out here we are speaking to the right people. We're trying to provide as much content as possible. We take our job, even though we have a lot of fun at times, we take our job and our content, especially this situation, very, very seriously. And this is right. This is the source. Whether you like it or not, this is what's happening at this football club. And we've explained, or you've explained it very, very well, Liam, I think. Uh, for those of you who want to listen back to it or um, are still a little bit confused, Liam, 
you are going to be putting this out in written format later on this evening. Um, but of course, for every podcast listeners, and we love you a lot, Laura, 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 um, you're getting it first. You're getting it first on audio version. So um, please enjoy it. Um, I'm sure this is going to get clipped from plenty of times or certain sentences or certain whatever. You shouldn't mention that because it gives them the, the idea to do it. <laughs> they normally do it. It's out there anyway. But um, yeah, look, that, that's it. That's the um, that's the reality that we're in at this moment in time. And look, we're going to be turning up every single game. We're going to be enjoying it. We're going to be hopefully getting some getting some results on the board. But unfortunately, like I say, it's, um, it's a little bit um, uh, grave at this moment in time in terms of bringing, bringing signings in. So... What do we do next? What we're we doing next, Liam? What we are doing is we fly. We're flying. We're flying back from Faro tomorrow. It's been uh, it's been almost too soon. We only had one real night where we had a few drinks, which was night one. <laughs> night one, yeah. It's good. <laughs> Thanks, Martin, the uh, editor in chief. <laughs> uh, night one, we got a little bit tipsy and uh, decided to uh, get back in the wee hours. That was lovely. So um, so we go to we go to Dublin. We're going to go. Back to London, then London to Dublin, and then we are there for two nights. And obviously, the game against Celtic, where I'm sure we'll see there was a smattering of Wolves fans at the Porter game, which was great. I'm sure there's going to be plenty more I've seen on socials. There's going to be a lot more travelling um, to the Viva Stadium, and it's a beautiful stadium. It's going to be a great day, and I think good for good for a lot more fans to start seeing a little bit of a glimpse about this team and what Lopetegui is looking to do. Absolutely, um, I think. Well, you know, I put this out the other day. Actually, we, we were aware that um, of all the young lads that have come here to with, with Wolves uh, under twenty three lads, it's going to be only Alfie Pond and Nathan Fraser that stay with the first team uh, going over to to Dublin. Um, we expected this anyway, but to make it clear that, that I mean that's obvious, obviously shows that Wolves are going to be putting out a very strong team or the strongest team they can possibly do, taking it very seriously, using it as a real warm up game for the Premier League, and um, and it'll be good to see how they line up, who starts. And, um, and and just really the, the style and formation and, and the way that they play. It'd be, be good to see how Lopetegui is trying to create this team in his own vision, despite obviously the you know, transfer concerns at the moment, and, uh, and see what he can try and create. And uh, we'll see what you will try and create or what monster you will turn into in Dublin on a Friday night, because uh, that could be a little bit... T- a little bit tasty. I feel there's a couple, a couple of bars in Dublin, is there? There's not many, is there? Um, there's one or two. I mean, two. they do a couple of decent drinks. I think, you know, it'd be rude not to. Like, I'm not. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm more champagne than beer, as you, as a lot of people understand. True. Uh, Monday night down on the beachfront, that seemed to change a little bit. But, uh, yeah, 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 you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Let's not go crazy. That's true, though. It is true. Uh, but um, I think I might have to have a Guinness one on there. Oh, you've got to. I think I've got, got to. Have, I mean, I'm not really a Guinness massive fan, but I don't. I don't not like it. It's fine. So everyone says that it is different in Dublin. Is it though? And, and look, we were talking to some of the guys uh, here as well. Who, you know, mm. might have a document. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some of the people you might have one or two while they're over there, yeah. uh, and they were adamant that it absolutely is different. Adamant, over there. adamant. So I can't speak to experience on this because I like Guinness and right. I, I drink it every now and then. Do you? It's like a go-to. You have a, have a panic. Every now and then, not, not all the time. But I've got. Is couple, it because it looks cool? It does look good. But I've got a couple of mates who like it. So mm. sometimes if they have one, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll have one as well. And sort of, are I, they like connoisseur mates, or are they just like? Oh, oh no, they're complete morons. Okay. Um, <laughs> I uh, the only time I've been to Dublin was 2017, and I wasn't a Guinness drink. I didn't really like it then. Right. And I've, I've my taste buds have evolved. Okay. I've evolved. Grown, I've, I like grown, it. I've grown like to it. like it. Yeah. So I'm quite excited about actually finally having one in Dublin because I've never had one there. I've only okay. had it in England. So 
It's going to be interesting. So I know, obviously, this is from the adverts and not from buying these, these this alcohol or alcoholic beverage. Um, do you do Guinness or do you do Guinness Extra Cold? That's a good question. I is actually, it, do, you, do you go classic? I actually don't know, but I did hear... Mm. I think someone said to me before that normal's better. Normal's better, isn't it? And okay. I think normal's probably a safe shower as well. I think you probably, okay. I think you probably do that. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. What, what you shouldn't do is do not buy a Guinness here, for example. No, no. I mean, I think that would be. I think it'd be awful. Okay. Um, I, did, I did see it on the menu the other day, and I was like, well, "Nah, I can't do that." And you said, "Don't, don't." If you see Liam Keen in a bar, don't buy him a Guinness as well, right? That is not. What I, in fact, it was the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> buy me, buy me a Guinness and a, ba- and a baby Guinness as well. Oh, baby, what's a baby Guinness? Oh, what is it again? It's, it's Bailey's and something else. Is it like Kahlua or like, something? Oh, like Tia Marie. I can't remember what it is. Um, it's absolutely delicious though. Baby, a baby. So is it baby Guinness? Is it like it's a, it comes in a mini Guinness glass? No, it normally well, it normally just comes in a shot glass. It's basically a shot. Okay. So a uh, wait a second. Let me. Uh, this one says Irish cream, yeah. coffee liqueur, and black, and black sambuca. Oh no, I don't want sambuca anywhere near. I didn't think there was any sambuca. I don't want any sambuca near me at all. The cream liqueur, coffee liqueur is the Bailey's. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah, t- yeah, Kalula or Timaris. I was right on that. Yeah. Bailey's. I think that's it. I don't think. Yeah, I, don't well, think, not, I think it's two. It's only two yeah, things. Yeah, I think it's only that. Oh, that uh, sounds yeah, good. no, it is only that. It's, yeah, it's just 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 those two. I, it made it so nice, so nice. I don't know what the hell it was saying, really, whatever it was. Sambuca. Sambuca. Yeah, I don't think that's it. I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, um, yeah, it's really nice, genuinely. And I sounds I, calorific, mate. It could be. It's, okay. it's, it's a little bit creamy. Um, Sip it or no? No, it's a shot, mate. Doesn't oh. it? Neck it. It's gone. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll I'll show you how to do it. Okay. We'll get one of each. It'll be a great little. Uh, pick for you to put on Twitter. Okay. Okay. Judah and Keane in Guinness form. You're a little, you little bit taller than me. So, um, I like that. I think it'd be perfect. Okay. Um, for those of you who are going over there, if you see me or Liam, uh, slightly worse than wearing Friday night, please uh, come and prop us up and don't take videos of us. That'd be much, <laughs> much appreciated. I've still got to get these expenses through when I get back home again. Um, that's it. We we're back. We're fully back, ready for the season. So we will have the next podcast probably, I'm, I'm speculating now, but maybe we might stay back after Luton on Wednesday night, maybe get one out, maybe late night there or Thursday uh, yeah, for well, next yeah. week after the, after, the, uh, sure. after the game. So that should be fun. You know, you know sometimes, like I said, you know, it's not, it's not so jovial because you know, everything's going on at the moment, but hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully you've, um, you've understood. And if you haven't, like I said, Liam will be um, putting that piece out later tonight. But uh, you guys heard it first here from me, from Liam. It's a pleasure to be back in your living rooms, in your cars, and wherever else you might be listening to this ENS Wolves podcast. Have a great one. Have a great weekend. We'll see you in Dublin. Take care. Bye-bye. We're Wolverhampton. We're on our way back.